Saturday Night Live hosted by Donald Trump is over, but we're just getting started here on the SNL recap on Post Show Recaps. And now here are the guys who are about to make podcasting great again. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? Hello. I am super under the weather, as you will hear in my voice, but nothing would keep me from this episode. So I am here. I am uh, physically at 50%, but mentally and a boy at 100%. All right. Let's so- do <laughs> We're going to be talking about what is uh, probably a very polarizing episode of Saturday Night Live that aired uh, this past Saturday night, hosted by Republican nominee for president. Or is that is that right? Do I have to put something uh, or one of the Republican nominees for president, Donald Trump? I get well, I guess they're all. uh, Yeah, I guess uh, one of the potential Republican nominees. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, And uh, the. (laughs) The uh, the feedback, I think, for this episode is going to be huge. It's going to be absolutely huge here for this episode. And Rich, this is going to be a uh, an episode to remember. We've got a lot of people watching us here live here on Blab.im to talk about this. And I think that this is probably the biggest live audience that we've ever had. So the ratings for SNL were huge. And then our they live were. show numbers are also huge tonight for our Saturday Night Live recap uh, talking about Donald Trump. Rich, I know you're a little under the weather. How are you feeling? You're you okay? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean it was uh it was it was fun to watch, fun to you know, there's a lot of commentary going on on Twitter and on postyourrecaps.com on our page. So it was uh, it was nice that uh, the the community of SNL fans kept me company while I've been uh, in bed for a couple of days. OK, and we are here live on Blab. And so that means that we can take your questions here live as we go along. So if you are here watching us in the chat, you can type in slash Q and we can go ahead and post your questions up here on the screen as we go along. You can also star questions to upvote them and we'll try to take as many of your questions as we go along rich this was a historic episode of snl because i cannot recall there ever being in the past a person who was actively running for president hosting the show of course we've had many political candidates and uh, people in politics appear on the show but rich was this a first of somebody that's actually running for the highest office in the land hosting Oh, yes, I believe so. You know, as you said, we, you know, cameos went from the occasional to the expected, but to actually host the entire show is is sort of unprecedented. Um, Very odd. And I know that there are a lot of very specific campaign laws around equal time. And, uh, you know, I was reading, uh, you know, I think more happens after the primaries, but very unusual for a show like SNL to do something like this. Okay. Let me just also set up at the top of the show. If you want to subscribe to the SNL recap podcast, you can do so with our link on iTunes. Go to postshowrecap.com slash SNL iTunes. So, Rich, as a longtime SNL fan and historian, did it bother you to have a candidate, regardless of the politics of it? Did it bother you to have somebody who's running for president hosting the show? It it kind of did. I mean, you know, as I think we said online, I you know, we'll in general keep this a, a politics free comp- uh, conversation. But, the you know, I certainly think the fact that they asked a politician to host the entire show uh, was very strange. And even if it was the person that I would vote for for president, it doesn't matter to me. It seems it seems like an odd playing favorites, uh, not because I think SNL is uh, tipping their political hand. It's just SNL wanted the, the ratings. So I think that for me. 
um, you know, I try not to, uh, uh, you know, take any shots at SNL, but I would say like a best friend who does something that I'm ashamed of, I'll call out my best friend and still be best friends. And on this one, I would say, yeah, I was kind of bummed that they even asked him. I, it feels a little inappropriate. I don't think I'd want to see Hillary Clinton host uh, a 90 minute SNL at this point until after the election. So it seemed, it seemed very odd to me. I know SNL was very unapologetic about it. And I think that it put the cast members in a very awkward situation. And I think when we talk about the comedy of tonight's show, that's going to come up a lot. Forget American politics. In terms of SNL politics, do you feel like Lorne Michaels or the show was forced by network to have a Donald Trump episode of the show? What I have always heard is that at this point in time, Lorne Michaels is not forced to do anything on SNL. So I think that this was something that I think Lorne Michaels has always, uh, you know, I think it's fairly well known. I think I think he's Democrat. I shouldn't say this. I, I believe he's Democrat. I think he's tried very hard to make the show as uh, uh, fair and balanced as possible. Um, I think he sometimes maybe goes out of his way to invite the Sarah Palin's out of, you know, you know, for ratings, even if it's sort of on the other side of how he believes sort of, you know, his personal politics. So I think this may have been a sort of uh, trying to show America that they are not playing favorites when it comes to Democrats versus Republicans. What about from Donald Trump's perspective? Why did he want to do this? I mean, why not? I mean, this is, you know, it's more airtime. It's more publicity. You know, he got to poke fun at himself, which is what I think everybody wants. You know, he wants to come across to a younger generation as a good guy, a guy who gets it, a guy who's in on the joke. I mean, I really saw no downside for him to host this episode. To me, I think that it's a weird spot for him because I think that for other political candidates and even going back to, you know, politicians appearing on things like Bill Clinton playing the saxophone on Arsenio Hall and stuff like that. I feel like the reason why politicians do that is because people think they're just all business and they're taken too seriously and they almost want to come across as, you know, hey, I have a lighter side. You know, I'm not just, you know, this serious person all the time. But for Donald Trump to host the show to me, I almost feel like that if uh, you were going to criticize him, I think that one of the issues that you would criticize him on is maybe as an outsider, is he not being serious enough about what he's trying to do? And so to say, I don't think he needed to be. He's one of the rare politicians. I think that don't, doesn't need to come out and say, hey, I'm not all, you know, w you know, work and business. I can have fun, too. Like, I feel like I mean, he's on Twitter all the time. I don't know if he necessarily needed to change that narrative of like a Hillary Clinton showing up. I think he's poking fun at herself and saying like, hey, I can laugh, too. Like, I don't know if anybody's, uh, you know, saying that about Donald Trump, that he doesn't know how to have fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I agree. I, I mean, I think you're making good points, but I do think, again, he's looking at the young audience, young, you know, millennial audience watching Saturday Night Live. And I don't know. I think that he probably thinks he still has an image problem with people under 21. And if you do, this is the place to come. So I agree with what you're saying about his general impression, but I don't know if my 14-year-old niece feels that way. Obviously, she's not a voter, but I don't know if 19 and 20-year-olds are feeling that way about him. So I think this is a way to sort of extend that brand to a younger generation. Okay, so he's not necessarily looking to say, hey, I can have fun. You're saying that he it's good for him to say, hey, I'm cool too. Just like, yes. you know, so come come vote for me. All right, so let's get into yes. the actual sketches of the show. Now, this was very interesting because uh, we only had on our last live episode 
the uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton opening cold open, correct? Yes, exactly. So we're we're coming back. So that was our last live show that we had that as the cold open. Here we go back to basically the same idea for the cold open. Did that bother you, Rich? No, because I feel like, you know, you know, this show, you know, in the eight years of Obama being president, they've been searching for that Sarah Palin impression that's capturing lightning in a bottle. I think they have it for Bernie Sanders. I don't think they're going to be able to play out Bernie Sanders much longer. So the I was very excited. I mean, I think the, the Clinton stuff was fun. And then but to see uh, Larry David come back and do Bernie Sanders again right away was like, oh, I could see him as as uh, as Bernie Sanders every cold open until the primary. I would be happy with that. I mean, before we get into Larry David, anything from the uh, Kate McKinnon, Hillary Clinton stuff? I mean, I thought it was nice. I, I thought, again, no, no thing huge, but I like when they asked her what language she would like to speak. She said casual English. So because she's like she doesn't understand phrases like I'm good either way. I liked when they asked her about moving from the south to New York, where she did the lame impressions of the accents of each of the two places. So I thought we mixed it up a little bit. Even her sort of getting comfortable in the chair, I thought was fun. And the runner of the whole thing about MSNBC awkwardly cutting to black people, I thought was a nice runner throughout. So I thought there was a lot to like about this. The Martin O'Malley thing was amusing, but it, you know, properly timed a quick Taron Killam in out and moved on. So everything up to this point, I thought was really fun. All right. So then we had Larry David back as Bernie Sanders and really just like reveling in this role. Oh, he's having a great time. And that's what you want. That's what you want to see. He's just having so much fun. And the writing is so it's so strong, A, and making fun of Bernie Sanders. But they're so writing to Larry David's personal cadence. So the whole bit about how he's investing in infrastructure and he won't go across a bridge or a tunnel and he's got a kayak that he straps to his car. It was just like the delivery was just ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And, and Larry David was killing it. I thought it was very funny. Really, yeah. really funny. I did love the part about the uh, I am. Don't give me money and just give me yes. pennies and nickels. Point. Get yeah. out your yeah, vacuum, that. vacuum pennies for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that uh, this is helping or hurting Bernie Sanders? Well, I think it's got to be helping him just in the perception of like it's like more people are talking about Bernie Sanders that, you know, I can't imagine that, you know, you know, my nieces are even paying any attention to the Democratic primary right now. So other than, you know, a headline. So I think it just gives him screen time. And it's not the most unflattering, it, you know, the you know, as much as it's silly, you know, when you're right, when he's like, I'm Bernie Sanders and I want your vacuum pennies. It's all very silly, but it's not as damning as, say, the the Sarah Palin impression was, uh, you know, so or, you know, or just some of the classic dumb guy impressions that we we used to have. So so I think it helps him for, you know, for what it is. Okay, so then let's get to the big question, Rich. I see it in the chat room from Ike Moore 2150. Did it bother you guys that he did a twist on the live from New York? I know you are very particular about how they say it. And if you didn't see the episode, Larry David ended up saying like he was like saying like point one, point two, and 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 also live from New York. Ah, you get it. <sighs> Oh boy. <laughs> I love I love Larry. I love the idea of this, but you don't mess with live from New York. It's Saturday night. I don't like to me that is sacred. You can make your pope jokes. You can make your holocaust jokes. You can make your 9/11 jokes, but do not make a joke that messes with the cold open 
infrastructure that we all love. So um, I, it was a funny bit. I obviously saw it coming when he's like, I don't quit anything. I follow through on everything. And then he quits the cold open. But boy, that really uh, that really irked me. I'm not a fan, not a fan. Now, did you think that was any sort of meta commentary, either from the writers or from Larry David, in terms of like the whole Trump hosting the show, that it was a little bit of like just like fed up and sort of like indifference to the cold open to the show? It's a good question. I would think not, but that's it. You know, you never know. I mean, I, I do wonder what a lot of the writers were thinking throughout this episode. So, um, you know, we did, especially since we saw Larry David in the last episode, do the cold open with Kate McKinnon, you know, scream out the, the scream out the line in glee and fun. So odd that uh, odd that it, it didn't go. So, yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. So then we get into our monologue here. Here comes Donald Trump to come out and uh, do our monologue for the show. Second time hosting the show for Donald Trump. Rich, what did you think of the monologue here for Donald Trump? Um, It was short. I like that. Um, You know, I thought it was, you know, given that it's Donald Trump, Donald Trump is sort of willing to play along with the joke. I thought he did a fine enough job. Um, I did like sort of the setup about Rosie O'Donnell. I did like that. (laughs) That was very funny. And he's like, oh, and she's here to support me. And then A.D. Bryant comes out and was just like, so that I I thought that was cute. Uh, Taryn Killam coming out to do uh, Donald Trump was, again, a good sign from Donald Trump himself that he's going to be willing to make fun of himself in this episode. Um, And really, uh, Taryn Killam did not uh, did not phone in the impression. If anything, I felt like he uh, knocked it up even to 11, you know, standing right next to Trump. So so I thought that was fun. And from a nostalgic standpoint, great to see Daryl Hammond come out. I just wish they had given Daryl Hammond more. I think Daryl Hammond's Trump is so fun and so funny. Uh, and it, and I feel like they just gave him a quickie and uh, and and him yelling your fire did not connect with the audience because so few people in that audience remember apprentice yeah uh bobby in the chat wants to know am i the only one incredibly impressed with taron killens trump he made daryl hammond look like a rookie rich well you know it's a good point you know I had said on this show, uh, you know, earlier this season that, you know, we probably would not see Daryl Hammond show up because we don't want to take away from Taron Killam's Trump. I love them both. I do think that Daryl Hammond was uh, not given as much as he normally would do in order to not show up Taron Killam because we're going to see a lot more of Taron. So I think the writing sort of created the experience that Bobby's talking about. Okay. So then we ended up having a very funny moment coming up where uh, Larry David is going to return as a person uh, who's shouting out uh, Donald Trump's a racist. Now, so much had been made during the week of uh, that. There was a, a group. What was it? Uh, deport racism. I want to make sure I get, I, I get this right. I is don't that, remember the. I remember the article, but I don't remember this. And so they had put a uh, $5,000 bounty to anybody that sort of uh, disrupts disrupts Donald <laughs> Trump. And so you heard it yeah. and it was like, okay, wait, wait, what's going on? And then Larry David, uh, they cut to him and he's the one saying that uh, Trump's a racist and he's just trying to get the $5,000, <laughs> which the group has then said that they will give Larry David the $5,000. 
That's great. Yeah. I thought this was a really nice piece of SNL sort of making fun of exactly what's going on in the zeitgeist on the sort of meta level right now. Larry David, really fun playing along. Unfortunately, I recognized Larry's voice from the when he yelled it out. I was like, I think that was Larry David, but I thought it was very funny. I thought they did a I thought they did a, a really nice piece with that. It was really fun. Yeah. And you know, and the fact that Trump played along with it well, I thought it was really fun. And uh, you know, and you know, I know in the in the chat someone was asking. Asking about Rich's rule of cameos. Now here, because this is very comedy nerdy, this was an example of the double cameo being okay. Because if if Larry David had shown up first to, to heckle Trump and then shown up as Bernie Sanders, the Bernie Sanders would have been ruined because we would have known that Larry David was in the audience during a Democratic primary sketch. But to just have it throw back to Larry David as a fun, hey, we know he's here and here's another thing that we're finding funny. Uh, gets a thumbs up from me. I thought it was really so. Fun. That's kosher. Yeah, I give it a. I give that a thumbs up. That is that is fine by me. Okay. Now I feel like that when it was the Tracy Morgan episode and Alec Baldwin was in the cold open, uh, you didn't care for that. What? What? How? What is the difference? Right. Because the the more important surprise of Alec Baldwin being in the audience, being in the room, was that he was going to do a 30 rock bit with Tina Fey and the rest of the gang. So by showing up to do something that he's not known for, we know he's in the house for then what is going to be the big reveal. It's not as big a reveal. Here, him showing up as Bernie Sanders, the surprise was not ruined by him uh, being here for the second piece. The, the surprise came first, and then we see him the second time, if that makes any sense. Okay. All right. So then how, did you want to give uh, Trump any credit or props for uh, being a part of that sketch where, uh, you know, he's being called a racist on TV? No, I actually wouldn't give him a lot of credit because I feel like he's just they're just addressing the elephant in the middle of the room. And so I think it was smart business of him to actually call it out on TV and sort of lean into it instead of trying to avoid it. So I think it was smart business more than, oh, he's got a really fun sense of humor about himself okay so then we come back and we have our first live sketch after the monologue and it is a sketch which takes place in the oval office in the year 2018 (sighs) well (sighs) um the set looked great it looked just like the Oval Office. Yes. They did a great job there. Um, people's postures while they were seated was excellent. I don't know what good to say about this sketch. Um, you know, I, this this was just a big uh, boy right from the beginning. So the premise is Trump's been elected and two years later, actually, everything's going well. And yet within that, there was sort of no sense of what is this sketch? What is the joke? Like we're just sort of going down the things he's done to date and saying like, Oh, and it turns out those went well. So uh, a couple of funny lines. I like when Bobby said, everyone loves the new laws you tweeted. I thought that was cute. Uh, There was a cute Amorosa reference. That was sort of cute. 
but uh, it sort of went nowhere and they didn't know how to end it. And the Melania thing really felt tacked, uh, tacked on for me. I think nobody knew what to do with this. So especially being so early in the show, I was really surprised that they went so early in the show with this. I, I would say this was just an overall big miss for me. Yeah, I don't, don't even know what they were going for. It's almost like I, I wonder if there were more biting jokes in this that, you know, Donald Trump said, no, you can't do that. And things got cut because it was almost like, where are the jokes here? Yeah. Like this was a, almost like a sketch devoid of humor. Yeah, I, I would agree. This sort of felt like this could have been a sketch that on paper started out strong and then slowly sort of joke by joke got watered down to the point where it was just sort of a big mess. Yeah, it almost seemed like it was a commercial for Donald Trump. Yeah, no, this was a it was very odd, very. Yeah. And it it wasn't pro. It wasn't con. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. Uh, we'll talk about his daughter in a second. Um, but it was just a, it, the whole thing was sort of just a I, I just thought a miss across the board. And ve- I can't imagine that this sketch went well in the dress rehearsal that they decided to keep it in this slot. So very surprising to me. I, I don't I'm, I wonder what happened here. And then I'd just love to hear from someone who is at the dress. The reveal of that it was like an ad for Melania. I mean, is Melania Trump really that well known of an entity? Like, I feel like I've covered the Celebrity Apprentice basically, you know, every season. And I, I feel like that Melania Trump is really just a blip on the radar. I mean, there's not, she's not really in the news or anything like that. I feel like to build the whole sketch where the reveal is it was about Melania for First Lady. I felt like uh, seemed really odd to me. And then it was also odd to me that Donald Trump's actual daughter is in the sketch. But then we have uh, where it's not his actual wife as his wife. Well, I think this was more about sort of the problem of the comedy writing process as opposed to the politics of the situation. I think that the writers just sort of felt trapped of like, well, for whatever reason we're doing this sketch, how do we get at what's a twist that nobody sees coming? How do we play this? And I think it was sort of the least common denominator joke of all right, we'll make it about Melania. We saw Melania, you know, in the season premiere when uh, Cecily Strong did the character with Taron Killam and it got a great reaction. So I think they were sort of banking on a little bit more audience reaction to the Melania character. The truth is that, you know, Cecily's Melania with the real Trump was actually not that funny. It just felt kind of sad. (laughs) For who? For, I think for her, I think for her, I think for Cecily Strong, I felt sort of like, oh, you got to be doing this right now. That's weird. Yeah, it sort of didn't didn't sort of play for me. All right. Now let's talk about the appearance by Ivanka. I saw a lot of people asking about what went on there. Was she supposed to get applause? Did the audience not applaud? Did they consciously say that they were going to uh, not applaud? What do you think happened there? Well, it's a very strange one. And I totally had the exact same experience. So a lot of us were talking, uh, you know, online afterwards because it was very awkward. Um, I would say there's one possibility as to uh, uh, what it could would be an innocent mistake, although unlikely, which is that as they cut to her, Donald Trump continued, started his next line. And there's a I would put it as a 10 percent chance that it was just a logistics issue that they didn't hit the applause button, or the applause sign to light up because you had. Donald Trump actively talking. They didn't want to step on his line. I doubt that's the case. So, you know, first of all, I don't think most of America considers Ivana Trump a star or a a big cameo. Ivanka, case in point. Uh, So I think I think that's sort of your that's, you know, and I have 
nothing against her. I'm sure she's fine. I've seen her on Apprentice before, but uh, but I think that's part of it. But I think the very strange thing is SNL didn't hit the applause sign, which is you would almost always there. Have, I can't give examples, but there have been times where cameos have happened where there is a millisecond of silence and then suddenly applause. And you realize that the director has cued the TD to hit the applause button so that the audience will react. And that didn't happen. Um, that almost makes me wonder if maybe Trump insisted on her showing up. That's, that's kind of my guess so that it was like, okay, you want your daughter on the show. We don't think that she's going to mean anything. So we'll just let it play and see what happens. That, if I had to take a guess, that's what I would say. We'll see if any of these like blind items sort of like show up and circulate in the press after the fact of like as to explain what, what happened there. But I also uh, did like the line in this sketch about where uh, Sashir is like giving a report on something. He's like, uh, thank you very much, Omarosa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. Again, uh, once again, showing that Sashir, who is very funny and very talented, is like the worst at impressions. You could never have guessed that was an Amorosa impression if you had given me 50 guesses. Yeah, I would. I It was a total blindside. And, and uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I laugh so much because, because I did not see it coming. All right. So then yeah. uh, we have coming out of that, we have our first taped piece, couple taped pieces tonight. Uh, this yep. is for the bad girls club and it's the women of SNL and they are basically, you know, rapping about all of the things that they're doing that are bad, which are not actually that bad. Yeah. Uh, this is sort of a follow up to the Dakota Johnson episode last year when we did brave, um, <sighs> You know, I love the idea of this, and I love all the ladies of SNL working together, but there was something about, I want to guess the editing of this, that it just didn't, the pacing of it kind of worked against itself. I love the idea of like, oh, I'm such a bad girl, I'm going to use my free water cup to get lemonade. But the the timing and the pacing, for me at least, never built on itself, and it never got me laughing really hard. A couple of the ones like, I'm only going to the second floor in the elevator, was kind of like, what? Um, so, I, you know, I for me... I I wanted to like this a hundred times more than I actually liked it. And I'm bummed because I liked everyone involved in this, but, uh, but it didn't do it for me. What did I, you think? I agree a hundred percent because I feel like I, and I've read a lot about SNL from last night on the internet today. And I feel like some people say this was the sketch of the night and this was so great. I'm just like, I didn't get it at all because it was just like, it was like the things that they were doing were like so mundane that it wasn't, you know, there was no punchline there up until like uh, maybe like uh, the the last one uh, I thought was funny, which was where with the tip, uh, the tip of 20 percent. No, no, I think it was the uh, I, I thought Kate McKinnon on the toilet, I thought was was funny. And uh, that was cute. Um, but uh, just overall, I felt like it was like, you know, it was, you know, build up, build up, build up. And then it, like the the punchline was just like so subdued. Like I found it that it wasn't really that funny. I think you could do it the other way where you could do like subdued, subdued, subdued. And then on the on the cutaways, like go big. But I think it's weird yes. to sort of like be big, broad, big, 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 and then cut away to, you know, very, uh, you know, subtle and not that outrageous. Yeah, I think it, to do this, you needed sort of the big punch after the joke. Like I like when Vanessa puts the in the supermarket, she puts the ice cream back by the bread. But then you need a big boom to really kind of like give it 
give it some sort of pacing to that. So yeah, this was a tough one. And it, I, yeah, the, the, sum of the whole was, uh, the, the, the whole was not as, as much as the sum of the parts on this one for me. Okay. So it's a shame. Some, some fun stuff, with but don't it. stop trying. We, we, yeah. we like the effort and a lot of funny stuff in it. I mean, the idea that not everyone's at the restaurant, you know, she's in the bathroom at home was funny. And, uh, and I like when, uh, Beck Bennett shows up to, to pick up his girlfriend and, uh, 80 saying goodbye and giving kisses and bad girls for life is like all like a lot of cute stuff. I thought that was all very funny, but, but, uh, I didn't like it as much as I think uh, the rest of the internet did. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, Donald Trump's tweets. And to me, like I was a little confused at the start of this sketch where Donald Trump announces that he's not going to be in this sketch, but he's going to be live tweeting about it. And I said, Oh, what's this? I have to go on, you know, go to Donald Trump's Twitter. Is this just a ploy to get more Twitter followers? And then I did think it was somewhat ingenious what they did of having like the, uh, you know, popping up the tweets on the screen. Because I do follow Donald Trump on Twitter back from the Celebrity Apprentice days. He's just sort of grandfathered into my lists. And so uh, I do get his tweets and it's a very accurate depiction of Donald Trump on Twitter. I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Rob. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I know the over under on a boys was going to be high tonight. Oh, hold on. Me. I didn't say anything about the sketch. I'm just telling you about oh, the, okay, the setup. Okay. I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I, okay. Okay. Yeah. The premise I got. And yes, again. Uh, yeah. So the premise I get that we're going to see him live tweeting uh, uh, an SNL sketch and he's going to be his sort of uh, his sort of, uh, you know, brutal self. And I like again, I do like the fact that Donald Trump is going to make fun of himself by sort of, you know, pooping on the actual people. Uh, so, yes, premise wise, I'm in. And then execution. Yeah, um, it's just I think that this was just this. Uh, there's two things I want to say about this again. Well, here, here's the, the a I'm not saying I can write better. So I get how hard this is. But two things. A. This is when a live television show is very, very hard to pull something like this off because you're really relying on actors in a live sketch uh, reacting to something that they can't see in a lower third graphic that's happening. So your timing becomes very, very complicated. Um, and B, I thought that this sketch just really reminded to me all of us something that we've been talking about having nothing to do with politics about SNL's weird feeling of the last, I'd say three years that suddenly a host has to be in at every possible sketch that we can't go more than two sketches without seeing the host, which was not the way for all of the early two thousands. And this I thought was a good example of that, that we're trying to make a sketch out of his tweets, which is not a live event experience. And so it really, it really didn't play for me at all. I think if you wanted to make this play, you would needed him to have been saying the tweets to them and sort of like in a different premise of imagine if Donald Trump just said what he tweeted and and made a sketch out of that because this was I thought really tough you know I thought it was sort of confusing I didn't understand why Donald Trump was having bad things to say about Taryn Killam and the people in this sketch I almost feel like it should have been a sketch about Donald Trump that he could have like been going nuts during the like it just it just doesn't make sense to me why in this particular sketch why he why he's killing Taryn Killam and everybody involved with the sketch 
but he likes Leslie Jones for whatever reason. To me, I thought that that was somewhat confusing to have this as the premise. Yeah, I, yeah. So I thought, and the breaking and the stuff I thought was funny, as in the chat room, uh, good friend Mark says exactly the idea that when they're sort of breaking and Vanessa's like, I don't want to do that. Those are my real teeth. Like, I thought that kind of stuff was very funny. Mm-hmm. I did like the line when Taryn's like, what did he just write? Does that have something to do with, Ke- I'm sorry, Keenan. It was something to do with Keenan and Kenyon. Yeah, he's a why away from Kenyon. Yeah, there, there was some funny stuff going on there. Uh, but but the time again, if this was pre-taped, I thought this could have been a, a very funny sketch and you could have done a lot more with it and you could have gotten bigger because you would have known that pacing and timing wise, everything was going to align and you would have been OK. What about the Leslie Jones ending to the sketch? I, what? OK. <laughs> OK. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I had to read about it today to f- figure out what the what the problem was. And I forget what the exact what the exact tweet was, was uh, Leslie. He's like, uh, Leslie Jones is great. I have a great relationship with the black. Right, right. And I was like, OK, well, you know, the first part is Leslie Jones is great. Why'd she storm off? And apparently, uh, apparently, you know, that uh, recently he had uh, used the, the phrase the blacks on Twitter. And, you know, so that's uh, what set Leslie Jones off at the end of the sketch. I just thought it was a confusing end to the sketch. Like it was not, you know, a a light was not uh, bright enough to be shine on that part of the line to sort of understand why, um, you know, she stormed off. It's like, again, it's late at night. Also, we're watching this show. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like, you know, similar to the White House sketch, the the live sketch beforehand, uh, they just didn't know how to get out. I think it was, it was a sketch where it was a rough sort of game. It was sort of more of sort of a, a party trick than it was sort of a structured sketch and they just needed something silly to get out. So yeah. Okay. Whatever. All right. Well, Rich, let's talk hotline bling. One of, one of your favorite videos, right? Yes. Well, I mean, obviously I'm on vivo constantly. So for me, it's, it's a loop. I paid, I paid nine 99 for YouTube red. So I don't have to have commercials between my Drake videos on YouTube. So I'm in. Uh, yeah. I thought this was really fun. I really like this. I yeah. thought, obviously I knew of the sketch. Not, I knew of the music video, not because I'm either hip or cool, but because I had, uh, you know, on the internet, it was being made fun of so much that I had seen it. Um, I thought this was really fun. I thought this was silly. I thought the pace, and the timing was right. Um, I thought everybody did a good job. Um, uh, I would say, actually, uh, uh, I thought that this was where Donald Trump was actually the funniest. Mm-hmm. I think him being one of the tax guys for some reason, maybe because it wasn't live and he could just relax and be dumb and uh, and or be edited around his awkwardness uh, was really funny. So a lot, lot of fun stuff here. This was the thing he did from reading on the Internet today that this was the thing he did that got the best reception out of anything. Yeah, no, this was a fun this was a fun bit. And for me, huge craze uh, excitement to see Ed Grimley show up in the sketch. Yeah. Martin Short showing up to do Ed Grimley. Uh, I would agree with Ike Moore in the in the chat room, who who was as surprised as I was that it, there was not a big audience reaction. I think again, belying the age of a lot of the people who are in the live audience. Maybe the just, applause button is broken. Maybe that's what's going maybe that ex- on. explains the Ivanka thing. Maybe there was sort of a politically neutral no applause button whole show. So uh, I feel like that was missed. Uh, I will sort of throw out something uh, very silly uh, that I'm sure is not true. This is a um, a, a conspiracy theory. Normally in any of these sketches, when you have different people showing up as characters in a pre-taped video, there's almost always a few shots at the very end where the entire group is together. And in this, when you had the entire group together, 
uh, Martin Short was not in the same sh- in that big group shot. And there were other group shots with Martin Short and not Donald Trump. And while most likely it was scheduling, I do wonder conspiracy theory if Martin Short did not want to be in a sketch with Donald Trump. Interesting. OK, we'll we'll see if just a theory. We'll see if uh, more of these uh, stories come to light. But anyway, I think everybody uh, liked the uh, hot the hotline bling, uh, which I was not exposed to before SNL. I did go back and watch it, and I'm trying. I, I do have lots of questions. I, I'd like to do a podcast about the hotline bling video and try to yeah. get to the bottom of what what is actually going on in that video. But uh, we don't have time for uh, that. So let's talk about uh, since we're getting, transitioning from Drake music, let's talk Sia and let's bring in our musical correspondent, the great editor of exclaim magazine here he is it's james keist james hey guys how you doing i'm well how are you very good do you want to dance at all like drake i do dance like drake actually we're <laughs> we're pretty on par yeah uh skill wise <laughs> i can relate all right so <laughs> sia is back with her bows and some uh interesting performances <laughs> so james are you a big sia guy uh i like sia i'm not putting Sia on at home a lot, but I certainly admire her. And and one of the things that I like about her is that she's always interesting. There's always something going on. Uh, there's so there's a certain curiosity about, you know, what's going to be going on with her headgear or her hat or her, uh, to, it seemed to be a black and white cookie thing going on tonight. Uh, so I, I thought maybe there was a Seinfeld. We just recapped the black and white cookie episode of Seinfeld on the Seinfeld recap podcast this week. So perfect timing. Oh, there with you that. go. So maybe you have some insights. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I like Sia. I'm, I'm always interested. Okay. So Sia was only on the show last season, right, James? It was still 2015. It was January. It was 10 months ago. She was on the Kevin Hart episode. Yeah. Cause Rich, I recall yeah. going back to the Halloween episode last year. That was where there was the Kate McKinnon, Jim Carrey, Sia parody. Yes. And then she was on after that. Yep. A lot of Sia going on. A lot of Sia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sia not so later. All right. So let's talk about the first uh, performance by Sia for the night, James. So it's a song called Alive and, uh, and no, no live band. I don't think. I think it was a, a backing track, but a, but the big choir behind. And uh, the curious thing is that this was a song that was written for Adele and was actually co-written by Adele. And Sia's whole new album is called "This Is Acting," and it's all songs that she wrote for other people that she's now doing herself. Uh, and she's she's quite a successful songwriter. She's written for a ton of other people, and so this isn't. But it's just very odd because it it comes off as a very Adele kind of song. Like you could really imagine Adele doing uh, a live and, you know, with the choir and the whole bit. And so uh, because Sia has her stage fright issues, hence the uh, stage get up with the the headgear and the face shield and the, the distracting dancer. Is that real, though, James? Her stage fright? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, she actually. Are you sure? Because I'm. <laughs> call me a, a, a skeptic. I, I feel like it's all for show. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think she's doing what she's doing for show, but I think that there's also a reason why she doesn't really want to be the center of attention and doesn't want to be seen that much. Uh, but I think the choices that she's making in dealing with that are clearly show. Because I feel like yeah. it's. Have you ever heard of anybody with crippling stage fright that they said, oh, just wear a blindfold? 
and then you'll be and you'll be fine. <laughs> well, I think it's a number of things. I think she's uh, very style conscious. And then I think also with the there's always now several times on SNL been a dancer or some other distraction. Um, you know, she does it in all her her music videos. There's certainly a, a strong element of branding because I think it's very you, calculated. You know, oh, absolutely. But I but I think the, at at the root of it uh, is is authentic. OK. All right. Well, I, I'd like to see an investigation opened up into this. I, I will say, Rob, I heard a long interview with her and Howard Stern about a year ago, and I would say it's either real or she's an amazing actress. Okay, I'll go back and listen very, to that. It was very interesting. It was very interesting. But I agree with James that I think the the way that she's getting around it has now turned into what I would consider shtick. Mm-hmm. So I, I get a little. Uh, I understand her actual stage fright, but the presentation feels a little, a little bit like shtick to me for now. Right, even though I enjoy the music. Let's talk about the second, the second number for Sia because this was a uh, very curious in my mind. So, "Bird Set Free" was the, the name of the second song, and just a just a piano accompaniment. Uh, another one that was actually written for Adele. You know, lovely song, and I think. The point of the, I think some of the confusion was, uh, is, are you talking about the dancer specifically? The, the woman that was, she was sort of like in a sleeping bag and then she was like, (laughs) it looked like she was in pain and then ultimately like fell to the ground and then was like flopping to the ground. Like she was having some sort of like medical emergency on the stage. I think she was the metaphorical bird. And I think because we didn't see the whole performance that she was doing, we kept cutting back to Sia, which I thought was ironic that, you know, if you if you don't want people to look at you, don't look so interesting. But I think the dance performance was supposed to be an enactment of some sort of a bird being set free. I don't know. I was watching that with my wife this morning. And Nicole was like, what is with that woman? I said, Nicole, I think there's something wrong with her. Don't don't make fun like that's I think that this is you don't know what this woman's story is before you start laughing at her. Uh, I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's all some sort of plan on Sia's part to distract from, uh, you know, the fact that she has eyes painted on her face. <laughs> I don't know. Rich, what was what did you make of that? You know, I, the first time we saw Sia in early January, I found it all to be very fun and very sort of novel. And for me, again, if you like Sia, that's great. And I think the music's interesting. I just uh, I sort of started to tune it out. I just maybe it was the cold medicine, but I sort of felt like been there, done that. And I and I did sort of tune it out. All right. Uh, well, James, who's the musical guest next week? So Disclosure is next week. Uh, they're a, a dance duo from the uk but uh they have a guest singer on almost all of their tracks so the other guests next week are actually lord and sam smith who are who are coming with disclosure okay james also did you recall the band that appeared with donald trump from his last hosting appearance what was it called toots Toots and the Maytals. Yes. Uh, I know Toots and the Maytals. I I didn't recall that they were the musical <laughs> guests when trump last hosted specifically I thought that was a very weird and kind of bordering on offensive sketch. Uh, As a big Toots and the Maytals fan? Well, to have them have written essentially a ripoff of a Bob Marley song for Trump. I mean, that was a Marley song that they were mimicking. 
And then it's sort of like, why are you dragging poor Toots and the Maytals into this? What did they do? They were just innocently the musical guest 11 years ago. Yeah. It just, it just yeah. very weird. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit, but I just wanted to get your take on it. All right, James. Uh, you can follow James on Twitter. He's at Exclaim Editor. Hope you're doing great, buddy. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, no love for Toots and the Maytals. Yeah. All right. Can we get them? Can they call in for Blab to respond? Do you think that they're, that that one that Toots is at home watching SNL and like falling off his chair when Keenan comes out dressed as him? Like, how am I getting made fun of? Yeah, they're like tuning in, like, hey, we got to watch SNL tonight. My, our buddy Donald Trump is hosting. Remember yeah. how cool he was to us back in 05? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Tune in. Exactly. That son of a bitch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, weekend update. Yes. So let's talk about the very beginning of Weekend Update. This was a strange, I can't remember the last time we saw this, where there was a flub in the very beginning when Colin Jost sort of says, welcome to Weekend Update. And then either Colin Jost forgets that he's supposed to be the one to say, I'm Michael J, this is Colin Jost. Or I I don't know what happened here, uh, but there was an odd, there was an odd, and I watched it a couple of times, there was an awkward uh, moment. I don't think Colin Joe screwed up. And I think it's one of two things. I think either Michael Che just flubbed it or Michael Che was actually doing it as a little bit of a F you to the show because he's not a Donald Trump fan, which I think comes out very clearly in this episode of Weekend Update. You know, Rich, I should have brought this up at the top of the show, but there was also a uh, big uh, sea change at uh, SNL over the uh, last couple of weeks uh, since the last time we did a show where Colin Jost is no longer the head writer at SNL. Right. Well, he was one of three and uh, and he has now stepped back down to just focus on Weekend Update and not be head writer. He has stepped back down or it's like one of these things where he was, you know, set back down and he said, oh, I, I'm, you know, publicly is just like trying to, you know, be the good soldier. I think, yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I think it has more to do with Weekend Update than the writing of the rest of the show. I don't think it was a vote of no confidence on him writing the show. I think that everybody wanted him to focus on Weekend Update, which I think is the right call. I think this is too important of a real estate. I think you're they're they, they've got. They've got fixes they need to make. And so having one of the two people focusing on actually writing the rest of the show is probably too problematic for them. Even though Seth Meyers did it and Tina Fey both did it, I think this is uh, we're in more trouble with our current iteration of Weekend Update than either of those two ever were. So did you notice a big improvement this week now that Colin is able to put his, uh, you know, singular focus on this well i think there was a little bit of un- of unclarity about when it actually took place i know that it was noticed in the le- in the uh, at the end of the tracy morgan episode but there was some unclear information about actually how long ago this maybe happened i would say that in general i think colin jost has really come along a long way and i've been saying this for a while that uh you know possibly because he's just had more time at the update desk than Michael Che, uh, which would be a fair reason. But I felt like they were uh, they were really uh, 
packed. Uh, um, th- there was a lot of difference between Michael Che and Colin Jost in this episode. Okay. Uh, any jokes uh, stand out to you, Rich? Um, uh, yeah, you know, I liked uh, I liked when they were talking about the Jeb book, uh, Jeb Bush book, Reply All, and they said, or as voters call it, unsubscribe. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Um, I did like. I mean, there were a couple. Of, it was in, there were a couple of. I'd say more cutting Trump jokes. Yeah. In this episode of of Weekend Update than normal, so I felt like there was really sort of a we're sharpening our knives and going after him. So uh, the whole thing about uh, about Trump's new book, Crippling America, How to Make Great Again, I really did like Chase thing about most people cripple. I'm again that that whole run I thought was very funny about his. I think it was his, his Negro sense start tingling or something. I remember what word what word he used, but uh, you know the, he could use uh, that was very funny. I thought it was very. I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, I also like the joke about how Colin was in his dressing room crying for three right. days straight, and then I found out about the Mets uh which yeah. was <laughs> it was very surprising there was not more Mets jokes throughout the show especially weekend update for such a New York show it was surprising that they didn't do more a sort of Mets misery of having lost the lost the World Series that was odd to me yeah uh, well they probably didn't want to dwell on it too much <laughs> so all right Leslie Jones is back uh too much Leslie Jones this season on weekend update but this has got to be what the third time at least. Yeah, I thought this was fun. I liked it. I would say, as I've said, ad nauseum, I don't know why the writers are not listening to me. Um, you know, we still the thing, the, the one thing about Leslie Jones is the formatting of her piece. Like she's always got to come on and thanks, Colin, you blankety blank of white, blank, white, white, blank, blank, sexual reference like those just to me get sort of tiring. But as an overall piece, I thought this was very funny. I thought the idea that she doesn't want a real man sending her emoji or even saying, yay, I don't want you to say, yay, even if you're on a roller coaster. Um, I, I thought there was a lot. I thought there was a lot of funny stuff in here. And uh, it was very fun about the junk. And uh, I don't want it so clean. Like you don't want it to be scratched because I'm going to scratch it. All that stuff was funny. Even visually, just what Leslie Jones is like, she's bobbing and weaving. She's like a prize fighter at the weekend update. She's like, like she's ready for sort of for war up there. I thought this was fun. I, I, I did like it a lot. Okay. Then we also had the return of Drunk Uncle, which was really the perfect spot for Drunk Uncle. We probably should have seen this coming. Drunk Uncle to come and be the uh, number one supporter for uh, Donald Trump. Now, um, let's talk about Drunk Uncle proper, and then I have some other questions for you about this. Yeah, I thought this was really fun. I thought this was a really good beat, and also a great way to make fun of Donald Trump. Taking a page from how many years of the Colbert Report, the best way to make fun of somebody is creating a ridiculous character that agrees with the person you want to make fun of. So I thought, and especially the way Drunk Uncle was like, finally, someone is saying the things I've been thinking yeah. and I've been saying. I thought it was just such a great uh great off including some really funny completely easy like lightweight jokes like when he's comparing himself to trump and he says we both love white russians i thought that was really really funny um and then just in general the whole piece i thought again very formula you know we're gonna have the kids you know you know they you know the kids with their flaxies and blah 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 you know oh is this apple watch gender neutral like you know which again the formula can drive me a little crazy but i thought there was a lot of funny even just went out of nowhere she goes he when he goes 
Her name is Bruce. And it just sort of sat there for a minute. And then everyone started laughing. I thought that was really funny. Um, but then because of the, the political stuff, we got to mix it up a little bit, which was fun. Now, traditionally, or at least for the, almost every single time we've seen Drunk Uncle in the last couple of years, that somebody always shows up as, you know, Drunk Uncle's buddy. Were you expecting it any way that we we're going to see a Donald Trump buddy of Drunk Uncle? I was very afraid of that, especially because we're talking about Trump so much that I was very afraid we were going to continue this. And here comes Drunker Uncle or whatever we're going to do and have to sit through a Trump. So I was very happy. Trump Uncle. Yeah, that we did not have a Trump uncle. I was very happy about that. Okay. And, and cleaner. I, I tend to find that they're not super funny. Uh, that You know, just him doing his thing. I liked when when Colin asked him about Ben Carson and he's like, he's right there. And they cut to Michael Che. And then the Hillary Clinton, when he brings up Hillary Clinton and he just smashes the glass. <laughs> that was a great gag. The, the only thing that was funnier than that was him smashing the glass and then him just sticking his hand off camera <laughs> and without looking, just bringing back another glass of whiskey. <laughs> I thought that was beautiful. That was very funny. So, yeah. And, and a new gag for Drunk Uncle, something we've never seen him do before. So that was really great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun. So I thought that was a great way to end Weekend Update. Okay. So then we come out of Weekend Update and uh, we start off with this sketch with maybe a, a rough uh, last 30 minutes for the for the show. Um, the bar band uh, with the long intros to get to Donald Trump on the laser harp. What was his name? Gene Red? <laughs> I, did, I, I couldn't make myself watch this sketch a second time. This was this sketch made the what was it the blue jean connection uh from the from the what was the band sketch that they did at the end of the Bill Hader uh, uh, the Bill Hader episode where Fred Armisen showed up with the is, oh which I thought was the was horrible this was so painful this this was the uh, the the song that they were playing was called uh boy oh uh, boy yeah this was. This was rough. This was even blocked so that you could kind of tell the way that they had Donald Trump, his character, sort of off to the side. At first, I thought he was on another set or something. And I realized, I think because he's having, having such a hard time with the cue cards, that they had to have him positioned directly, almost talking to the camera <laughs> so that him looking at the cue cards wasn't so bad. This was uh, this was really even. I think this was as as Luke is saying in the chat room. I think even Keenan and the and the cast knew that this sketch was eating it as it was happening. I was so mad at Bobby Moynihan when he walked in and they said, "Like, hey, did you uh, did you want to hear? We just finished the introductions. Everybody's like, sure, I'd like to hear it again, so I can know who's on what instruments." Yeah. Like, no, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> set it up again. Very, very silly. <laughs> Very silly. So, yeah, is a laser this, this harp is, a real thing? Uh, apparently, from what I, one of our friends in in the in Twitter had said that it is a real thing, which it, I guess it wouldn't surprise me. There was very, yeah, it was all very silly. There's, for those of you who watched the fantastic comedy uh, "You're the Worst" this week, there was a great joke about a guy in his forties in a band, and the lead singer plays the theraphim, and that was way funnier. It was a really great little piece. So, very, very fun. All right. So then we have this uh, sketch where Beck Bennett is the dad and uh, we we have uh, where uh, Pete Davidson is trying to date his daughter and they're at dinner and uh, he has like a karaoke track that keeps playing of uh, his music. And Rich, I love this sketch. I loved the first 
90% of the sketch. <laughs> you didn't uh, like when Stacy Steve showed up. <laughs> I was so disappointed that they decided to put Donald Trump in this sketch. If that had been any other cast member, this would have been my favorite sketch of the night. This Why? What was it about Donald Because I actually thought Donald Trump was good here. So what was it about Donald Trump that was such a turnoff for you? For me, what I loved about this sketch was the subtlety of the ridiculousness. That the way that I thought this was Beck Bennett's best performance in ages. It was just so good because it was so broad and yet at the same time it was so subtle. Like, does it does it suck? Does it like ah? Oh, like everything about him was so funny and it was played at such a nice level. And then you've just got, and then Trump comes in and just again, Trump's not an actor. I, I don't know what he is, but he's, he's, he's not an actor. So it took us into just this very broad, sticky caricature that then was just, it just felt like the bump at the end of the sketch <laughs> instead of if Taron Killam could have played this character, it could have yeah. elevated it to be even funnier. I know, but you sort of, I think the writers just to sort of like, uh, empathize with them. I mean, what are you going to do with Donald Trump? Like you have, you have him there. I mean, I thought this was a pretty good use of him. I of like, you know, you can't have him just keep playing himself over and over again. And so I thought this was a good spot to have him just come in as the record producer. I guess, I, I guess I felt for me, we had just seen him as, you know, Gene bred the laser harp player. <laughs> We're about to see him again. I think you're holding laser harp against him here. Yeah, maybe I, I like that. He was willing to wear that outfit in the laser harp sketch, but the, uh, but again, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time because because the the Donald Trump showing up at the end. Stacy Steve was a very small part of it. I thought this sketch was very funny. I did read Pete Davidson said on Twitter that he's never laughed so hard in the taping of a sketch than Beck Bennett made uh, made him laugh. So it was uh, really really funny. I thought it was uh, the overall this this was a lot of fun this is what i want to see those guys do more of um i hope we get to see more of these kinds of sketches in the future okay uh then we have uh the appearance of uh toots a brief toots uh and uh and jay farrow absolutely playing along as the steel drummer of the new song uh ooh, this was weird oh by the way and we, we didn't discuss this with james i also think a weird position to put sia in like you have to start performing a song you have stage fright and now you have to wait for a comedy bit to end before you can do the stage fright very odd to me mm-hmm. yeah you would think somebody with crippling stage fright wouldn't be able to go on after that exactly exactly uh but that, <laughs> that being said uh what about the comedy of the uh, toots and the maytail appearance i thought it was cute yeah i, I thought keenan was very fun it was it was all about keenan's personality nobody remembers the actual guests you know obviously they had to show a clip for no reason just to sort of set up that we're gonna see him again but Oh, oh, silly fun. All right. And uh, then we have, I was very surprised to see the return of the porn stars here. Yeah, this was, you know, yeah, everyone knows I am very, I, I think when the porn stars hit, it is the funniest sketch of the night. And when they miss, it is really tough to get through. Mm-hmm. And uh, so where we see the, the following ad is a paid advertisement for Donald Trump. And then we come up to the two porn stars and, I don't know what the first words were. I thought I heard Vanessa Bayer actually say, oh, boy, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. That could be me, though. I was like, oh, it was such a bad shoehorn of a sketch that already is sort of hitting this into 
a premise that A, doesn't fit the porn stars, B, didn't uh, uh, didn't sort of lend itself to the puns necessary for this sketch to work, mm-hmm. and C, we've done so much Trump for president shtick in the first 86 minutes of the show, I thought this was really hard. I thought this was... I thought they knew it was hard, and and, and to see Bobby and the porn star sketch for me was a win. But uh, so I did like that we had Ronald McDonald Trump, but uh, but still there was nothing about it that was that was that saved it. Yeah, I really felt like they were trying to go out of their way. I felt like to be extra shocking. Like I don't know if they thought it was even funnier to like uh, you know see how many times they could use the word fist in this sketch because Donald yeah. Trump was going to be there on stage and maybe there was some shock value in terms of like you know how blue can it get. But no, I did not find myself uh, laughing very much at this one. Up until the very end, I thought the stuff about the the, the Clinton stuff uh, I thought was good. And even like, uh, you know, Trump at the end coming in and saying like, uh, didn't you used to be a brunette? Like, I kind of liked a couple yeah. of those yes. uh, those uh, gags at the end. But just trying to, you know, uh, you know, get as dirty as you could with the, with the, what they were saying. Like, I didn't find that to be particularly funny. I agree. I agree. I think this this was a tough one. There's been there's been way funnier of this that I want to remember the porn stars by. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, let's talk about the goodbyes, Rich. And this is probably going to be one of the more interesting goodbyes to talk about because if somebody who's not really a comedian, somebody who's somewhat of a controversial figure, here he is up on the stage. Larry David is there. Ivanka is there. What were you seeing in the goodbyes? So surprisingly, no moat. There was, which was, I was really shocked. I thought we would see a moat as, as we've seen in, in days past. There was no moat. Um, you know, he says his goodbyes and then he sort of hugs his daughter and then he sort of stands there. Nobody really comes up to him, but then he starts to mill about and he starts thanking people. And I, and, and I felt like what I sensed from everybody was, you know what? Fine. Like I, I felt like everyone was very sweet to him, very cordial. And I think again, I think this was the tough position that that the cast was in. Of you know what, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't have picked this guy to be the host, but I'm not the boss. And he was invited to our house. So am I really going to ice this guy for showing up? And clearly, he was a good sport. I mean, they really took a lot of shots at him. He made himself look like an idiot a number of times. So even though potentially there were a lot of jokes that might have been watered down, in general, he sort of played it nice. So I thought, I thought he, you know, he did a good job. Uh, and 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 saying goodbye, I thought people were kind of like, okay. You know, I'm going to go up. I'm going to shake his hand. I'm going to have a little chit chat with him. I'm going to move on. So I, I thought it might have been a cooler uh, uh, home base at, at uh, 1 a.m. than it was. Mm-hmm. it was. It was sort of very, very fair. Yeah, I don't think he's necessarily a standoffish guy because just from years of watching The Celebrity Apprentice, like, I mean, if you if you just got him and say like, uh, like, uh, wow, Mr. Trump, that was a, a great show tonight. You know, then he's going to be around like, uh, like. Tackenberg, you're the you're the best. You're you're one of the great. You're one of the all time comedy greats. Like uh, you know, right. it's, so it's like it's very much like uh, like he's very warm to people. Like if they are are, are if, if you're friend if you're friendly to him, like he's very friendly back uh, to you. But if you take a shot at him, then he just destroys you. That's sort of like his mo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Scott in the chat wants to know what do you mean by a moat? 
when you talk about a uh, moat? For those of, those of us who haven't been around as long, and the moat is the term I use every once in a while. And the Jim Carrey episode from last year is probably the the biggest expl- uh, biggest example of this. There are times where there is uh, the host and often the musical guest, and then about three to four feet of just empty space behind the 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 host, and then the cast, and is what I've tweened what I've termed sort of the moat of a weird empty space, which often I think belies some weirdness between interpersonal things going on uh, up to that point yeah so that's the moat there was there was no moat tonight what about the larry david donald trump uh connection did you see was there any interplay between them i think there I, yeah i think there was i think it was i think it was very cordial i think that was uh they seemed to be very sort of i think there was sort of a handshake and a and a quick chit chat I, I think it was all very cordial i think it was what it was obviously the fact that trump and Larry were both on board for the Trump's a racist joke means that they had obviously been talking about it and and sort of so I'm sure it was sort of fine. So overall, let's just talk sort of big picture. So a lot of people were worried about this in terms of was it going to be funny? Uh, was it a mistake for SNL to do it now that we can sort of like get some perspective, you know, a day after it happened? What's your big takeaway from Donald Trump hosting SNL? I think he delivered to SNL exactly what SNL wanted, which is the biggest rating since 2012. I don't think that this was the best uh, publicity card for SNL. I don't think the quality of the sketches of this uh, did what they wanted to do. So I do wonder if a lot of people who haven't watched SNL since 2012 watched this and went, Oh, that's why I don't watch the show on Saturday nights. So I don't know that it did them any favors, but certainly ratings are ratings. And that's what makes the world go around, uh, you know, in places like SNL. So I feel like uh, I feel like that that was sort of smart for them. Um, I think that, again, they should not have had him in nearly as many sketches, which I've said about people that are actors. I've said that about sports figures, you know, many different hosts. They have to have him in not in as not many sketches. And I think what it probably did for them politically in the world of sort of booking and hosting and and is that it did show that they are not just in the pocket of uh, the Democrat machine. So I bet that it probably uh, it probably it probably worked for them. I would say overall, this was just not a great episode comedy wise. Do you feel like SNL came away wounded at all as a serious force in political satire by the fact that they had one of the candidates on the show sort of like hanging out for 90 minutes, sort of like it's not the kind of place where anybody who's a political candidate is like sort of uh, really, you know, afraid to go or sort of like uh, where they are feel like the show really has teeth that could hurt them at this point. Well, I would say no, because I think that in the two thousands we've really seen snl is not the biting political satire you know we had john stewart for that we have colbert for that we have john oliver for that snl is making jokes about you know sarah palin you know i can see russia from my house we're, we're not going after people in a very biting way it, and that's true of chevy chase doing gerald ford and just doing pratfalls instead of any political satire. So I don't think that's what SNL is. I don't think they've lost any credibility there. I think we'll still be making fun of Bernie Sanders next week. I think we'll still see Taron Killam doing Donald Trump just as he always did. Hillary Clinton will be sort of the main political, you know, character played. So I think they just kind of continue moving on as if nothing happened. I don't think this changes anything. Okay. Next week, uh, Elizabeth Banks is uh, hosting the show. Are you excited for that? I am. How crazy is it that she 
she's never hosted before. That seems yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, this is our first time. First time. First time. So uh, Hunger Games, the new movie comes out the the following day or that weekend, whatever. So uh, as I saw someone in the chat room as was flying by predicted, I think we could see some cameos that the Hunger Games kids do tend to sort of cameo each other during the release of film. Um, I love Elizabeth Banks. I think she's hilarious. I think she's great. Um, good as a director we've now seen with Pitch Perfect 2. Uh, really good writer, very funny actress. So I think it's going to be a great episode. Okay, so a bounce back week in the offing? Yeah, and then we'll finish out November with uh, Matthew McConaughey, which will do the Thanksgiving episode. It was so strange that I thought, we just saw Matthew McConaughey host the show last year. And I was like, oh, nope. That was Jim Carrey doing Matthew McConaughey and Lincoln Town Car commercials. He has actually not hosted in 12 years. So uh, be fun to have McConaughey back. Does he have something that he's promoting or he's just coming on? Probably. I don't know. I, I didn't look, but I'm sure he's promoting something with Adele. So it'll be good to have Adele back as well. Okay. Rich, anything else from this week's show? No, just an interesting show. Uh, in We'll see. I'm expecting better things next week. I think it'll be really good. All right. If you want to catch up with our SNL podcast, you can do so on our iTunes feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Uh, I think to next week, I think we're really going to be in the teeth of uh, Nicole and this baby coming. I think that this is going to be so uh, we may not be. I, I certainly uh, am, don't think I'm going to be available for Elizabeth Banks, but I guess we'll see. Well, you and I should talk offline about what's going on with that. But then uh, we will keep you guys posted on Twitter as to uh, what the news is. You can follow Rich on Twitter. He's at Rich Tack. Yep. I'm at Rob Sister. Anything else tonight, Rich? No, no. All good. All right. We wish you a speedy recovery. Thanks, everybody. Thank who you. Check this out live here on blab.im. Looking forward to reading your comments on postshowrecaps.com. Again, in the comments, please. Uh, we don't want to get about uh, p- politics of anybody. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. Bernie Sanders, whatever. We're really just talking about the what was uh, on the show or in the podcast. So just try to remember that. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Right.